Gaming and BS episode 153 coming to you Tuesday, August 22nd, 2017. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back to the show. And hey, Sean, it's good to have you back, man. Thanks, Brett. How the... So how the hell are you? <laughs> yeah, you walking yet? Yeah. You fucking bum? Or are you just milking it? I'm hobbling around. So the wife is home, though, yes? The wife is home. Okay. Um, she is, she's been up around all day today, running around with the injuries that she has sustained and kind of... I, I crashed today. My, today was my crash day, so I took care of her the last. Um, we took care of each other the last couple of days, but I was pretty exhausted today and did not feel like doing anything at all. Well, you look good. If that helps, you got a little, get a little scruff going. That's good. Getting the old Brett beard happening I like that. Yeah, I had to shave that off. It was itching <laughs> so ungodly bad, so I just trimmed it down with a beard trimmer. It was driving me nuts. I do like to see that the pomp may have taken a beating, but but it still exists. It's a little rough right now, but it's it survived. It's just it's lost a little volume, but nothing that can't be returned. Just gotta put pins in the hand, kind of pin that pomp back up. You'll be ready to roll. Yeah, I'll take the pins directly out of my thumb and throw them in my hair, and <laughs> should be good to go. So, as you um, well know, and as as you said. Kind of in our throwback episode last week, Sean has gotten a ton of support from the whole uh, community here and other people outside of gaming and BS. And it's just, I know it's not about me at all, and I think it's just really, really cool. And for me to be a part of the community, that kind of, you know, just being able to say, hey guys, here's the thing that happened to my buddy, and report it out to people and have everybody react so positively and trying to be as supportive as they can. And as Sean said, we've had offers of, you know, Financial assistance, there's all sorts of people who say, hey, can we do this? Can we do that for you? What do you need? And so it's been really, really nice. So anyway, for me, out to you guys, it's just you men and women. It's one more reason why this is a really cool community is that everybody kind of bands together like that in times of trouble. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's been very humbling. Um, if you heard the intro to the last episode, which was kind of in between, I you could call it 152 and a half. Um, it's crazy, just crazy. I don't even, you know, God, I can't talk because I got stuff in my throat, but um, just, yeah, thanks for all the well wishes um, and all the support, and I'll be around the game, and my dice hand is still, both dice hands are still intact, uh, although I got a kind of a club uh, club thumb on my left. I could still roll dice out of it, God damn it. So I just figured, you know, one of the things that was really cool to happen to me in the meantime was I got the official um, word uh, that Encoded is going to publish the Avalon thing oh. So that was really cool. I'm like, man, this is awesome news. This would be great. And Sean heard it was coming, and a motherfucker just had to updo me. You just, it had to outstage me. You had oh. to outstage me. And yeah. All you had to do was say, hey, you didn't have to crash the bike just to make me, you know, just to pull the light off of me. You could have... Could have done something else, man. Didn't have to That's go right. that far. Didn't have to you go know, that far. 
Didn't have to endanger yourself and everybody else around you just to hurt me. The battle of the spotlight continues. God damn it. I will come out on top if I have to sacrifice my body for it. (laughs) Sean, for those of you who haven't figured out yet, Sean and I have a uh, camera running gag. We'll get on. One of us will get on Hob Show. Sean has been on it. I haven't. Well, we'll get on misdirecting Mark. Oh, shit, I got to get on next. And we kind of goofily one-upping each other with who's on been on what podcast. And uh, so I just <laughs> I couldn't help but think in the spirit of that. I'm like, yeah, asshole. That's real nice. We should, we should throw, throw yourself in, contra- in the traffic. We should throw it in our contract that you and I are not on any other show unless we're together, like Penn and Teller. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, we have to be together. <laughs> Here's the deal. You get one, you get both. Somebody's gotta go. Ah, shit. That may cut. That may probably have a probably cut our odds in half of getting on another show anymore. That's true. Oh, good lord. What else have we got? Oh, speaking of uh, a little more serious thing. Well, one, I mean, the Avalon thing is really, really cool. So I'm at least this for me. I'm really jazzed and really excited. We're thinking about Kickstarter September, Octoberish yet of this year. Chris and I and Phil and the rest of the Encoded crew were sorting out the details as to when makes the most sense to do that and we have most of the components around what the kickstarter contains and um backer levels and so forth again we're not going crazy it's you know in the thousands not the tens of thousands type of range we don't want to do anything blatantly stupid or you know risk life and limb on a kickstarter or something we know we can't produce it's stuff we know we can do and do well so that's really really neat um more details on that obviously as it comes we'll hit the social media and talk about here when the time is ready so let's see here. Other gaming coolness, GameholeCon registration. What is that? September second that opens up. I think that September second is coming. Sounds quick. about right. Yeah. So if you haven't heard Sean yet, get your ass to GameholeCon first. Uh, uh, let's see, November second through the fifth of twenty seventeen. So yeah, we've got all sorts of incredibly cool stuff going on. We got great games. We got our listeners. Christ, you guys put out. Uh, it's like 20 plus different games under our banner and there's just more and more and more stuff. And as you heard Alex on the show, a few back, they do have a solid kids track too. So if you've got family and so forth, drag them out. I'm hoping knock on wood that I'll actually be able to make it (laughs) based on my son's uh, ship date for air force basic. It looks like things will actually work out in my favor this time around. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I'll keep that. I'll keep everybody up to date on that. Any other announcements, Sean? No, that's it. That nothing else. You, just, you sure you don't have anything else bigger to trump everything I just said? Something drastic? No. No, you sure? I don't think. No, no I'm. I'm. You I tired? spent it all my. I spent, <laughs> I spent. I spent my wad on it, dude. I just, yeah. you know. And uh, I'm all in. He's all out of bennies. <laughs> that's, that's it. Let's do it. Spent all my chits. Threw it all in the pot, man. All right, random encounter. All right, this is where we feel emails, voicemails, and social media comments from you. Our <laughs> listeners. All right, the Corey listener. Wynn. Corey Wynn emailed us. He said, hail. Many hails, fellows of or protectors of the BNS symbol, whatever that means. Anyways, I like your podcast, as I always do, since you both do fine work. Um, my story of getting back in the hobby, so to speak. I fell out of the hobby back in 2002 when I got married and all my college buddies and practically everyone else I knew uh, assumed that now that I was married, I couldn't game anymore, which flat out was not true. However, I couldn't convince my groups of that. 
It wasn't until a year later in 2003 when working in a new place, I saw a guy named John who brought some D&D books to uh, read on his breaks. I saw that and struck up a conversation with him about gaming, got invited to his group, and wow, we all formed a new group. John has since moved to Minnesota. We all got new jobs, etc. But that core group remained. Also, I started doing the same thing, bringing game books to read at work and uh, have over the past number of years recruited four more players to work and a fifth, the wife um, of one of them wishing to join, along with my good friend Chad, recruiting more players. We're now in a position where we have to decide who to retain or do we split into two groups as the number of players we have brought is in past double digits. What an amazing problem to have is I hear so many stories about people who are looking for players where they live. I would say this, overcome any social stigma you have or preconceived notions of how people view you and just bring your books to work. Read them on your breaks. Not only will you have um, <clears throat> some great additional prep time, uh, but may be able to recruit new players who may uh, have otherwise not spoken about gaming. Worst, uh, worst case scenario, when I'm looking for other players, not for my gaming group, but to play test stuff before game hole, I just say I play um, Leonard Sheldon games from Big Bang Theory. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. That was a defense, but as a door to get conversation rolling to see where they're at. Fun stuff. Part two, Brett, I have never told my children at Santa, uh, of Santa Claus either. Why lie? Aha. Same goes for other holidays. I always give my kids gifts, candy, etc., but don't lie to them about the holidays, along with other things. Just a dad trying to prevent lying later on when my kids enter their teen years. I'd rather, I'd rather have honest conversations and lifestyles um, now to prevent lying later if possible. To Sean's point, though, it's still a fun surprise for my kids to see what I actually bought them for Christmas, and I think their joy and happiness is no less sincere. Just my two coppers. Point the third. I have more brews of in- impressive status. Beer exchange, here we come. Ooh. We've been talking about the beer exchange, Sean. And if anybody's going to come prepared, Corey Wynn will. Point the fourth. My memory ran out of time, so uh, <laughs> time to insert gl- glowing compliment. You are crazy and the best and amazing, awesome, and all that. I throw dollars and prizes at you so the podcast can uh, has good fortune and all. Sound good? If not, please let me know by game hole. See you then. Corey, Mr. Man of War. You know, speaking of generosity, Corey's been one of the listeners, and a number of listeners have done this over the years, have um, either helped us cover things through Patreon. Our patrons are great. Um, Corey has had a surplus of gaming gear. Um, he's given me a couple starter sets for D&D 5e, which I'm uh, giving to the gaming club in my hometown. And we've known a lot of other gamers in this community that are really willing to kind of take the extras, if you will, or even do a little bit extra and help out other gamers in need. So, Mr. Wynn, thank you always very much, sir. So going back to his uh, original point about bringing your books to work, I brought dice to my new job because I need dice at work so I can make, help me make decisions. Do I hire this guy? Click, click, click. Oh, that was a DC 12. Not so good. You fail. Today is not your day, sir. Um, and sure enough, one of the guys is like, hey, is it a D&D dice? I'm like, yep, it is. Like, yeah, I, I play. So George, the guy who sits next to me, is a player, and then another guy that sits across from him, his buddy, um, Matt plays, and uh, Matt Matt has played, but he's more video gamer, so I think he's gotten out of it a little bit. But they're they're quite a bit younger than I am. But uh, so yeah, George listens to podcasts and games. So I said, uh, "Hey, dude, <laughs> here's a here's the thing I do. I want to listen to this one. You know, Let speaking us know of- what, what you think." Speaking of that, I always have a, I've got a big black D20 I leave on my desk. And um, 
one of my, um, so my manager is in Canada and a bunch, she has a bunch of teams all over the lower 48. And one of the guys, uh, is out in California and he shows up. I finally pull the whole team together. I'm the new boss. So I pull all these folks together and, uh, Steve comes up and says, you know, Ange Murray, don't you? I'm like, uh, Angela Murray, gamer, Angela, gnomes too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I do. We're friends. Why? I game with her. I'm like, you're kidding me. He goes, no, I freaking game with her. She's she's like in my D&D group online. I'm like, That's freaking amazing. So we went out to dinner, and uh, he and I were sitting on opposite ends of the dinner table with the team, and we just went full D&D nerd talking about campaigns and characters and stuff. And the rest of our team is looking at us like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? But we're like, don't care. Just owned it and had such a blast with it. It was a lot of fun. People then, other guys come out of the woodwork on the team like, you know, I used to play and I always wanted to. I'm like, hey, next time we come up, maybe it's a team builder. Maybe we'll uh, do a little dungeon crawl and I'll TPK That's your group. Right. <laughs> and we're going to spin up, spin up some characters and see how you guys can team team it up. I, although I do figure, honestly, though, if I were to TPK my entire team, that might not go well. So, Or maybe... Maybe it would. Show maybe it's, boss, maybe right? show him who's boss. That's it, yeah. There's new boss in town. Yes. Anyway. Ready to kill characters, a.k.a. fire people. <laughs> oh, ouch, ouch, ouch. Oh, uh, well. Anyway, that was really cool. One more reason where uh, we're di- don't discount the people you work with may well be gamers, even, right. in, even in hiding. If they're not, they should be. God, God damn, damn it. it. God damn it. All right, Mike Passwald. Emails us, Dear Zip Zaps and Chaps Podcast. I think we're going to put that down now. It's going to be B, uh, Gaming and BS, the Zip Zaps and Chaps Podcast. We might get a different listening might group, get, but might it might be worth listening. it. Might be worth it. Yeah. Speaking new of, demographic. Speaking of new gamers, off we go. That's right. Oh, those dry spells. <clears throat> I just wanted to send my biggest agreement nod in your direction. I went almost 10 years without RPGs as a regular part of my life, and I think that there are two things you touched on that really helped me get back into it. One, the current state of the online RPG community. You and many other people have mentioned that this is a golden age for tabletop RPGs. Truth. The variety of games and support is insane. In the membrane. Uh, it is way too easy to find games. More important, though, is the overall enthusiasm that the internet has for the hobby. It's infectious, and it's more than just simple nostalgia. Amen to that. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Number two, Shia LaBeouf. Do it! As stupid and goofy as that do-it rant seems, it's solid. Gospel. If you ever find yourself waffling about doing anything... I took it to heart. Go off my ass and started eating my cereals. <laughs> I took it to heart. I got off my ass and started eating my cereals. Now I have some games under my belt. 24 pages of solid writing in my game reference journal. My teeth are whiter and my towels have never been softer. Very nice. Very well done. To sum it up for every for anyone out there hurting for some RPG time and looking to get back into it, take advantage of all your resources, eat your cereals, and shia la bouffe your way back into the hobby. Cheers, Mike. Say it. 
Pazewald. Nice. It's always, I mean, there's the, the story about how you got into it is always interesting, but I th- sometimes think we've, you know, the tale of how I got back into it as a grown man, grown woman, grown people, you know, finding time in my busy everyday life and realizing this is freaking fun as all hell. And uh, why wouldn't you, if you're a creative person, which all of us are, it's just a really, really great way to do that. It's so cool. All right, what do we got next? Ah, Crimfan, can you comment to us online? <clears throat> Much like your advice about tactics, a little goes a long way, and you really need to uh, tailor the group in question. Not every not every NPC needs a ton needs tons of detail and a lot of pointless preparation to make up heavy stats or uh, backplot for them. In fact, most of them do not need quantum detail, meaning detail that appears when it needs to. I tend to I tend to think of NPCs as being companions, important and peripheral. NPCs can change in the role as needed, of course. If PCs keep coming back to a peripheral NPC, they obviously are important in some fashion. Peripheral. If a DM is experienced at improvising, it's often possible to make up one quickly. I use the following method, lifted from a friend. I think of three or four adjectives, prepare a list if you need one, if there's um, some interest expressed. I roll a D10 for each one. For example, if PC seem interested in a shopkeeper, I might think that gnomish, greedy, and relevant. Roll 10. Yep, he's a gnome, so I play some stereotypical gnomish traits. One, nope, he's not greedy. And four, he's got a useful tidbit of information about the PCs they're interested in, but not much else besides surprisingly good prices. Randomizing really helps push me out of the things I just do on my own stereotypes. I like that idea. Important. Of course major NPCs do need details. In my, quote, not really uh, Planescape Interplaner, uh, unquote, game, the PCs got a lot of useful information from someone from their homeworld, the famous courtesan who had been feeble-minded and kidnapped and sent into the astral, presumably as payment for some, someone or something that has not yet been revealed. I gave her some relevant stats for the interactions and decided her basic personality, but didn't stat her out completely. If they spend more time with her, she's a bard, then she'll get stats. Companion. A companion character uh, that frequently runs with the party really deserves the full treatment. Igithra's a thief? Yep, she's got a full set of stats. It's not a bad idea, Crimfan. Just kind of, if it helps you to categorize things in that concept of companions, important and peripheral, to uh, help you determine the level of detail that you need to run your game. Sean, I've said this before, is that, you know, game prep, like, excuse me, a lot of it comes down to what do you need? What does Sean need? What does Brett need? What does Crimfan need? What does, you know, anybody need to pull it off? Everybody's got different levels and sometimes we're on a quest to try to minimize our prep because we want to do it either as a challenge or just for because of time constraints um but you you know you find what's comfortable for you and if this is a way that helps you do it even better by all means and crim fan these are some damn good ideas thank you man yes indeed very good ideas got a build derfy back into gaming I moved from my home in Niagara Falls to Regina, Saskatchewan for work. There is lots of gaming going on, and I found a group that I liked uh, the, I, that liked the same game. So while I was out there, it was the closest thing I had to friends. Um, so that's kind of how he got back into it. Pretty much. NPCs, yeah. NPCs. As a DM, I would have an index card with an NPC's name on it, and have some idea about their personality and relationships with other NPCs, but not a lot of backstory. I would often use them when and if the players wanted to know something about a thing or place. Suddenly the barmaid or the stable hand is from that place. 
He might even drop you a contact name or two, although when you get there, you realize the stable hand has been away so long that the inn he suggested burned down years ago and the people have moved on. I like to provide my players with characters that have a list of friends, enemies, and acquaintances, often having one person's friend be another character's enemy. I usually let the player come up with a reason why or how they know so-and-so, and it can be kind of fun. I even had a situation when the characters were really up against it and had a friend come with reinforcements and, of course, bad news from town. I have fond memories of of a party divided over going to a particular NPC because some were friends and some were enemies of that guy. Neat. I like that. No. I think a lot of what we're hearing here and is echoing what Sean and I tried to say is that concept of don't... You really don't need, unless you personally need... Um, because you don't you don't have your improv chops quite where you want them to be, or you're you're new and you know you can, can you think on your feet as quickly? You don't feel comfortable. But this is the thing I think <clears throat> from that aspiration perspective. If you're not doing this yet and you would like to try it, NPCs are a great way to start. You know, just having them in these small you know bits of information that you can add to on the fly. Um, I would caution people if you do it and you don't necessarily have a good memory and you want to make sure you capture that stuff. After the encounter with that NPC, take a quick minute, write down the little notes that you may or, you know, hey, I decided that this NPC, she's very rash, bad temper, but really nice inside. Okay, if those are things you decided on the fly, don't be afraid to take that second and write it down, um, either just before the encounter gets going or afterwards or at some logical spot so you don't lose that because when the NPCs come back to that when the PCs, excuse me, go back to that NPC, you want the consistency where you can. So whatever notes you need to take to help do that, I would strongly suggest you do so. Yeah, thanks for everybody writing in. Most appreciated. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the main topic. Awesome, let's go. All right, Brett. I got to get some water, man. My voice is... You sound like crap. <laughs> Got phlegm. A little build up there. That five dollar blowjob voice. Oh, that's that's lovely. <laughs> that's lovely. Anyway, emotional yeah. bleed. Um that's what it sounds like. A little bit. <laughs> ah, emotional bleed. I want to talk about what it is. If we, if it's something people want to go for and how we might, why people might want to avoid it or why it could be kind of tricky to deal with and so on. Uh, Phil and Chris have talked about this, uh, Mr. Director Mark. I think uh, Bob's mentioned it there too. Chris, Phil, and Bob have chatted about this. And I've mentioned it here, you know, where I've had, in the past I've said, yeah, I've had grown men cry at my table. I've had people get really emotional and, you know, physically like, shaken, angry, frustrated, or terrified type of feeling. remember my youngest son looking at me after a Call of Cthulhu game we played at Evercon a couple years ago. He said, Daddy, my heart was like really pounding hard because I didn't think we'd survive. So I'm like, yeah, I did it. I just hope I didn't terrify my son. He slept that night with no nightmares. So that was good. Um, and, the, and, and the fact that Brad had a handgun at the table. It, well, that's just to keep people <laughs> on their toes. Um <laughs> The, so emotional bleed is basically the way I, the way I define it is um, when the events or emotions of the character cause an emotional reaction with the player, and sometimes it's very obvious because they're like, "Oh my god!" They yell, they cry. There's a very obvious open sign, and sometimes it's that moment when 
they get really, really quiet. You know, it's it's an internal thing that is not always externally um, very obvious, depending on who the player is and how well you know that person. You with me, Sean? I am. Awesome. So um, I'll just throw this out there right now. One of the things, be so I don't, so Sean and I don't forget it. This is one of the main reasons why an X card is super handy. If you're playing at a convention or your group isn't, if this is the type of thing you've not done before, you want to push people, and somebody's like, hey, you know, I don't necessarily like that personal emotional button pushed, and this is a hot thing for me, that X card is a handy way to have, have people have that safety net if they need it to get out. So, Sean, so I'm going to ask you this, and I'm going to hear it depends. Do you play? <laughs> do you do you play for emotional bleed? Is that something you get into, or is that something you're like, eh? If it ha- I don't even. I'm cool as a cucumber. That shit doesn't bother me. So, as a game master, I am one with a ice cold heart. Yes, you're Judge Dread with with the D20. That's right. All right, but you know. That's not to say that I do not inflict some type of emotional pain upon my players where they will leave the table uh, blubbering. They may be found in corners, um, curled up in a ball, just for the sick, in their mouths. Just for the sick thrill of having crushed a person down to infantile state. It's just the way I run my games, Brett. I can't help what comes out of this. Yeah, it's just it's so power it's so powerful. I should come with a warning label for Christ's sake. That's how powerful I am. Parental advisory. Yeah. I'm gonna wear that shirt from now on. Nice. So I have players that I've had over the years, and I'm sure a lot of people out there in Sean, I'm sure you have too. Some people really like it. They they take the character's emotions and to help them play it, um, it's almost like that method acting approach, right? Where you take it and they're like, wow, you know, Ragnar the Dwarf would be really mad right now, so I'm yelling. Or they they, they kind of they blur that line between what the character could be thinking or feeling, what they could be thinking or feeling, especially at, uh, at that moment when that NPC who you thought was your friend suddenly betrays you or the big reveal or whatever happens. Sometimes it, it, gets, um, it gets kind of twistier blurred there and I know some people totally groove on that and they like it and at the end of the game session I've had to look at some players and say you guys okay no that was great boy whoo that was tough boy I'm tired after that that was really exhausting but yeah it was really what an emotional roller coaster that was and uh, I know playing with Kevin when I game with Kevin and Lenny and a couple of the folks in my group they totally dig that I also know some of the folks in my group yeah they just they it's not that they don't care but it's not the main reason they're there. And I think it kind of goes to the whole, if you're going to push for that and your players aren't used to that, it might be a warning or uh, <laughs> kind of lead into it slowly type of thing. Yeah, I think it goes to, I think this also relates to whether you have players in your group <clears throat> that are... um role players like they want to role play they want the immersion they they want some of that where there are some that do not yeah they don't get into that that's not their thing which is okay so you got to kind of wash that out um hash that out because it i i would imagine this is sean's psychological professional 
you know, my degree in psychology, which I don't have, that I'm going to portray right now. Exactly. I don't. Own, I don't. I am not a psychologist in real life, but I play one in games. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Is that the ones that want the um, the role playing aspect and to kind of get into their character, the dynamics of that are probably more susceptible to wanting to get into the emotional side of RPGs. And I would even go as far to say that there are probably some games that are more story-based than tactical that may even facilitate that even more. So I, I eh, well, LARPs maybe too, because they're not even... They're not even really that tactical either. So they get into story and stuff. So LARPs may LARPers well depending on depending on that. the depending on the LARP. I mean, I've hung out with uh, like the Last Hope and those guys. That's full on, you know, smacking each other with foam swords. And there's some hardcore tactics and combat in it. But yeah, there are. I, I would say that there are definitely some game systems that, if that's a thing you totally crave, there are game systems out there that will support that better. You can get it from any RPG. You know, I've played D&D and had um, people really upset when they've been betrayed. I've had people cry during that or just get really frustrated. And I'm like, are you okay? Yeah, this is just, it's really tense and I'm really feeling it, man. This is cool. Um, so you could get it anywhere. And I think, I think there's a, there, there's a piece that is kind of not necessarily funny, but there is, there's emotional bleed and then there's, I'm pissed off. And by that I mean you can be playing and your character's frustrated, so you're frustrated and your character's in love and you're feeling this, oh, wow, this NPC, and you're really... And then the NPC betrays you and you're frustrated and you're angry. And then there's that time the Game Master does something to your character because you're a moron and forgot to check for traps and you fall down a spike pit and you die because you get instant super tetanus um, and it just kills you. And then you're pissed. You're pissed at yourself. You're pissed at... oh. And then you're arguing with the DM. No, no, no. I, I, I always check for traps. You didn't say you check for traps. But I always do. This is my routine. You know, it's almost that. And, and death is the most extreme example. But there are points when I think we will often, at least I sometimes would say, oh, it's an emotional game. And people got into it. It sounds like this great role-playing experience. But you, from watching cues and so forth, one of the, one of the things to check in on is when you've got players that go from, they're emotionally invested, and two, they're actually pissed. And they're not, like, pissed on behalf of their character because, you know, you know, Tomlinson the wizard would be upset right now, so therefore I'm upset. They're actually pissed off. And you can have somebody who's going from this great emotional gaming experience to all of a sudden she's mad. Like, she's pissed off because you did something incredibly rude or stupid or she thinks that there was somebody who was cheating or something bad was actually happening in the game itself. And you can accidentally, which is where the X card comes in handy, is you can accidentally see this, oh, you know, they're just playing their character. They're not really mad right now. And instead of having to look at somebody and say, are you mad? And then in front of a group, sometimes that's difficult for people to do. But that's where if that person is actually pissed off, they can reach out and tap that card and we can just take a break. Let everybody cool down for a second and come back. So... Because I know, Sean, you've t- you and I have talked about that that player who gets super pissed at the game. You said you had a buddy back in high school who threw all the books in the snow or did something crazy, <laughs> basically table flipping. Um, my buddy Jeff. Do you? God damn it! <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I don't want to fucking play this game ever again. Throws him out in the snow. 
so when you game, Sean, do you get so from emotional bleed? Do you tend to see more people getting pissed off at your extreme power, or do you see more people actually? I mean, so I guess just from your gaming experience as player or game master, I've seen both. And I'm wondering if you have also, you know, where, where the emotional component of it just leads to rage, pissed offness versus actually really cool character experience. I think I really need that damn water. I wish I could stop this. Um, I would find as though um, it would be circumstantial. So if I put the characters in a particular spot where it's kind of where, um, kind of where they are oh, pinned into an area that they feel as though there's maybe not a way out or there's a bad NPC that tends to be muddling with them and comes to a climax where bad NPC kind of has the upper hand. And, I mean, there was one instance during our Living Force campaign where I got, I mean, I got a few players and characters really kind of upset because it was one of those where, you know, as a bad dude of the force, kind of had one of the, I don't know if it was a child or not, but, you know, they were like, you know, if you, they're kind of at a crossroad where they could intervene, but if they intervene, then this big bad was going to do something really nasty. And so they were kind of like, that motherfucker, you know, they got so pissed off and I'm not sure how it got to that point. Like, I don't know how they got to the point of like being genuinely pissed, not like pissed, like, Oh God, this sucks as a player, but you know, I'm going to take that NPC's guts and I'm going to like rip him out of his body and string him up by him, like kind of pissed off. So I guess the the reason I want to bring this up is not just from the whole, you know, watch the group, but if somebody's, like, actually, Sean is getting angry or, you know, Angela wants to, you know, hit Brett with a rule book because she's physically mad at him. But I really think that when when characters, one of the easiest ways, people say, well, I don't like to play like that, I just like to play the game. And then you watch them, and that frustration in, quote-unquote, losing or feeling like they're in a no-win situation or it's stressful, like, that son of a bitch, I'm going to kill him where he's dead. We're going to hunt that guy down and gut him. I'm going to, you know, grease my tank treads with him. You know, I'm going to do this stuff. And that that's one of those, it, that's emotional bleed, right? The characters have been put in the, in the vice. They've been rocking a hard place. They've just got the, the screws put to them. And like, that is it. We get out of here. And that sorceress, she's dead. Her family's dead. Her dog is dead. Every neighbor she's ever had is dead. You know, they're just, the rage and the wanting for vengeance it it's fun right to have to have that and i think sometimes that may well be the extent that some players have around the emotional bleed in their games so if we put that aside for a second so sean when you have have you dealt with people that have like gotten like really emotional about like characters losing a loved one or you know family dying or just that that type of emotion, you know, where they really feel. And the reason I'm t- so just for for instance, if you've listened to the Streets of Avalon actual play podcast, I'll reference that. There's a point where um, Morris's character has got a couple really nasty moments that happen to him with a woman he's in love with, and then her family later on. And those are pretty. Um, when Kevin and I were playing that out, it was kind of a you can't. I, don't know, I think it came through in the in the vocals, but 
visually, it was a bit of a, you know, oh my God, this is pretty tough. Kevin and I were like, whew, we need to take a break. He had to step away, uh, you know, go get some water, come back type of thing. Do you, have you encountered that? Or is that not something that your groups are into? And it's not like it's right or wrong. I'm just wondering. Not, not overly often. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't come up that often, I would say. Um, I also, de- it depends on the game you're playing. Cause there's some games where people don't, it's not necessarily that they don't want to get into that space, but it's just that they may see gaming as more, uh, an outlet for, you know, levity. They don't want to get into the seriousness of it. Maybe it's an escape from the seriousness of every day to day work, grind, family. Mm-hmm. So to like kind of get into that space while you're gaming, it may not be always warranted. So it doesn't always ha- it doesn't happen very often in my games. I would have to say. And I don't like I said. I don't think that's wrong. It's not like hey, Brett's right. gaming in a superior fashion. It's just a different approach. And I think. Like in, in Kevin's instance, I've gamed with Kevin for <clears throat> fifteen plus years, so I know I've known the guy for a long time. So I know what he I know what he likes at the table. I know how to say, "Oh, this is what's good." And I've talked to when I talked to the rest of my group, or even when I was gaming with Tom and Chris now and Emily and other folks, and even with you, I've got a pretty good idea of what the people I've gamed with recently like to do. And I do know that some players really groove on that, and other people are just it's not necessarily their thing. One of the things I think is interesting, though, is that you'll have players that will have a – so not how do I do this? So if you're not sure if your group wants to do it, one thing that's interesting to me is ask the players, like, some background history on your character. You know, get that person whose PC has this tortured past, right? Oh, I was lost and betrayed, and I've been twisted and blah, blah, blah. And they, they build these wonderful emotional backgrounds, and then they don't ever want to play to the emotion in the game. Which is fine, right? Um, some people still approach it very third person. They don't intermingle their personal uh, um, feelings with the character's feelings. Some people can draw a pretty easy line there. But I have found uh, kind of a, <clears throat> a litmus test, if you will, is that if a character, if a player, excuse me, says, hey, my character has the love of their life is missing or they're trying to make enough money to marry this uh, stable boy, um, they're trying to do this thing, to free their loved one from, you know, interstellar jail or something. They have they have an emotional tag, right, that their character has on them. And it's a good opportunity for a game master to be able to start small with it, right? Do drop a hint that, well, you know, if you did this, you'd have enough money to save, you know, you'd have just enough money you could finally get that stable boy and you two could get married. Um and if that's a thing, then you can kind of pick at that heartstring, if you will, of that of that character through the player, of course, and see if they react to it. It's a small thing. You don't have to go right for the for the gut and say, hey, you know that stable boy you loved? Yeah, he's uh, strung up by barbed wire and he's been gutted like a pig. And there's a note tacked to his, you know, to his forehead that says, meet me in the alley. That's a little rough if that's not a thing. Oh. <laughs> if that's not a thing your characters want, they're, you know, they're, they're more interested in kind of the, the casual background love affair driving type of thing but you don't have see how to easy it came see how easy it came to that guy I just whip that out man and scripted or anything he just like pulls that right out man this is unbelievable yeah i do that a lot there's a lot of <laughs> it's just like dead babies right they're just they're everywhere what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah. 
So I guess what I'm saying is that when we think about emotional gaming, it doesn't have to be men and women crying at the table, kids terrified, quivering in fear from the shoggoth that creeps across the, the floor and you know devours things in front of them. It can be as simple as saying, you want to marry the stable boy, this is your chance. If you do this, Sean, your character will have enough gold to make that happen. Do you want to take this deal? And then you go, oh boy, it's an emotional conundrum for your character. But yet it's not like this huge, heart-wrenching, life-or-death situation or whatever it is. It's just taking a piece of you, of your character anyway, and, and leaving it out there. So that's a way I think that even if you've got players who may want to do it but don't want to get super like weepy, for lack of a better term, at the table, it's another fun way to take things that are emotional and play with it a little bit, you know? Is that so with that type of description for emotional bleed, is that more of what you run into, Sean? Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be more <clears throat> more of those more of that approach for sure. And I think the other thing that happens with some folks is that um if you don't know the people, at a con sometimes you kinda cut loose and you can like go for broke. But sometimes when you're with a new gaming group, we talked above, you know, Crim Fan and other people and Corey and those folks talking about how they're getting new gamers in. It, sometimes people want to start small like that and see how it goes because they're uncomfortable. They want a game in this very emotional state, but they don't want to be mocked for it, right? Where people are like, oh my God, are you crying? Really? That upset you? What's wrong with you? You don't want that experience at your table, right? You don't want to have to feel that way. So I think... Um, when it does happen and when people are into it, it's kind of like some of the safety stuff we talked about. You don't want to just go pound on somebody's emotions back and say, why are you upset? It's just a game. You know, because for that instance, that person's really angry because their character's angry or they're they're upset because the stable boy they loved has been, you know, strung up by barbed wire, gutted, and has a note tacked to his forehead. Um, sometimes that causes reactions, and then we as the rest of the players, even if it's something you're not into, need to be respectful of the other player. And uh, let them have that moment, right? Yes. The other thing I've heard, Sean, and let me know what you think, is that people that dig emotional bleed like that are spotlight hogs. Does that strike you as something that you think? I, I can see that. I can see where that might happen. Sure. I think, uh, and whether it's more or less susceptible, I think depends. I, and I think that goes to the thespian of the group, right? The one that's, I'm a drama major. Oh, <laughs> I've been in front of productions. <laughs> and then they, they might get into that a little bit too much. So some of them you may have to, as a game master address. Sure. So if, if nothing else, I think it's worth keeping your eye on it. It's, it's okay. If Sean likes a lot of emotional bleed and that's great. And then I'm playing with Phil and, you know, and, and Tom and other guys, and they're like, yeah, I just, I, yeah, whatever. That's, you need to be able to move on past it. So let that character have their moment and then move on past it. Don't, it could be really fun. You could be having this great conversation and it's just really emotionally charged and it's just awesome. And you look and there's your gamer JR and he's just building a dice tower. He's like, is this going to fucking end? I just want to, can we kill the goddamn goblins? This is the yes. reason we're here, you know? I will address this. <laughs> so I think the um what was I gonna say? Oh, the other the other thing is I I think one of the pieces that we don't always 
look at is that um, it can happen for game masters too. When we're running a game, it is we have emotions too. Uh, game masters are people too, and as such, we can get emotional, we can get angry, we can get frustrated, we can have those types of things happen. Um, that we have to, the players have to deal with or whatever the case is. So we as game masters, there's X cards for us too. And there are, um, there's ways that we can take that type of thing. And, um, and we just have to be careful that we don't ignore our own emotions in the process as the game master. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. You're going to have to mute that dude. Well, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have done that. I don't know why we had we had FaceTime going on and it like disconnected for some reason. Anyhow, but, uh, yes, you heard what I said though about the game masters and the bleed there too. Yes, yes. I I've actually found that there are times when I'm trying to have an emotional scene, and I get pissed off because the players like, dude, whatever, Brett. Right. <laughs> I had this wonderful description one time. I'll never forget this. I was describing this this dark, very kind of brooding scene. I'm going. And I said something, and Lenny and Zave and Jerry went, uh-huh. They kept going. And so I reiterated, like, guys, it's really like this. And Lenny looked at me and goes, I get it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go sit behind my screen and cry. I mean, it was really, I'm like, oh, man, you guys don't care. <laughs> but it was like they, they got it, but there was so much data they were processing. They got it, and they were right. doing stuff with it. But it just wasn't obvious to me, and I was all emotionally charged about it. And like, oh, they don't care. Well, they, they did care. It was just kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. I get it, Brett. Shut the fuck up. You know? <laughs> no, it's really a big deal. It's really a big Yes, we know. You've said it 10 times, for Christ's sake. Yes, no, it's attached to my loved one. Got it. <laughs> yes, I know that we got it like a pig. Let's move it on. Yes, the barbed wire is nasty. It's, it's rusty. I know you told me that. Um, <laughs> so the last thing I would say is don't be afraid. Emotional gaming... Um, if you get like harder into it and the, the, it's kind of happening fast and furious. Robin Laws brings this up in gumshoe one-to-one for, um, uh, for the Cthulhu confidential where when that happens, it, it tends to be a very, it can be anyway, in my experience, just you and the player, the other player, sometimes the spotlight hits them and it's a very emotional thing just for them. And sometimes you need to take a break just to cool things down. Sometimes it's like, man, they're really pissed off and, you know, you know, the, the horrible, you know, imperishable sorceress is just pissed off everybody. They're going to kill that bitch. They're going to freaking kill her. They've had it. All the men and women in the group are rallying. They're, oh, God, they're angry. And they're like, oh, okay, just let's, all right, how about we all get, grab a piece of pizza, folks. Let's just calm down a second. Sometimes taking a break is a good idea. And after a very emotional scene, sometimes it's just a really good time just to take a breather. Step back, smoke if you got them, get a drink, whatever you got to do. It's just a, a good time to do it. And I... Until you really know your group, if X cards aren't your thing, and I know some people don't necessarily like it or think it's kitschy or whatever, but whatever you do, be cognizant of the fact that once you start people having emotional bleed, be cognizant of it. Some people are digging on it. Some people love it. But don't be afraid to take that break, check in with them one-on-one privately, and say, hey, Sean, how's it going? Do you like where this is going? Yeah, I just uh, there's just a lot of, lot of tension and pressure and... I don't know, man. I don't necessarily like this. Okay, then you can break it off. But there's no need to have to go through the entire session, check in with them at the end of the day or two days later and say, hey, what would you think of that? And they go, well, I don't think I can play anymore. I've kind of, you know, you can, you can wreck a good group by not having those emotional checkpoints throughout the game. 
Does that make sense? It does. So that's all. I think that's pretty much all I got to say, man. Do you have anything else you want to add to that? I kind of ram. I ramble through the whole damn thing more, worse than usual. It's because you're. It's because oh, you're just so that's weak, all right, man. You're, I am. You just you look weak. I've, all my emotions have been poured out in the last week, two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that was week, week actually week. My Susan, my wife asked me. She goes, "What are you talking about today?" I'm like emotional game. I explained it. She goes. I think Sean's got any emotion left. I said, maybe not. <laughs> He's probably, probably a tired boy. dry, yeah. Which is also, right, a, gonna... I was going to say, it's another yeah. good reason to Sean's earlier point. Sometimes people are like, look, it's been a fucked up week at work. Can I just kill some goblins and take their shit, please? Can I just kill some goblins and take their shit? I want to shoot space pirates and get credits. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Sometimes that's good. All right, man, that's moving right. on. I roll. All right. Die roll! Two to four in a miscellaneous points of game and a geekery you want to share with you. Brett's got a few. I got a couple. We're not going to do RPG a day. Yeah, we're behind. Again, Sean, Spotlight Hog, Kelly, had to... Uh... That's right. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to catch up. I know you will. I got to catch up today. It's not... What is the 20th? We're recording 20, this? 21st. 21st. So I've got... Last time we recorded was the 14th. Yeah, we're a bit behind. That's a few days. Yes, it is. All right. Yeah. Let me go through this. So Frank Menzner on Facebook, I uh, cut-pasted this into the Gaming BS community, and I think it also went to our Facebook page as well as Google+. Plus. But um, basically what he's going to do is he's taking another portion of O-Earth, basically where Greyhawk lives. He's going to... Imperia, a different mysterious location on of uh, another continent in the world of Greyhawk, blah, blah, blah. Read it. Looks kind of cool. I'll be interested to see um, what Frank does with it. It's one of those things where Frank's a good dude. I think he, he knows a lot of what Gary had in, had uh, cooking on this. So I'll be interested to see how it uh, how it all pans out. I, lo- I love Greyhawk. It's one of my favorite um, favorite settings. And when I think first edition AD&D, that's one of my go-tos. Uh, next one up is the DMs Guild Adept Program. Uh, link in the show notes if you haven't already heard about this. Wizards of the Coast had a um, they launched an Adept Program. Kind of cool, just another um, evolution of the Dungeon uh, Masters Guild that's going on right now. So that's out there. And the last one is Necromunda is back. So the Warhammer Warhammer fans out there know about this. Necromunda has been it's kind of a it's a skirmish based city. Uh, miniatures combat system. It was out for a while. I recall back in the 80s, maybe early 90s as well. Got a couple friends of mine who have copies of it. They like to play it periodically. So this is back. Kind of neat. Um, it's one of those miniatures games that you don't necessarily, I mean, setting, you know, terrain and all that stuff you can get into. But if memory serves, Necromundo is one of those where you didn't need huge, huge tons of miniatures like you would on a fantasy battles army where you always feel like you don't quite have enough. But Anyway, that was kind of cool. Thought I would share that link, as I say, in the show notes. Sean, over to you, sir. So Gen Con has officially ended as of this past weekend. Um, we hope everybody had a safe and pleasant time that went there. Um, got to meet everybody, played some good games. Uh, we want to congratulate to the 2017, offer that to 2017 any Award winners. Uh, I will have a link in the show notes. It's funny, whenever you go to like the Origin Awards, the Any Awards, the Deanna Jones Award, they 
they have the nominations. You go up there. Some allow you to vote. Some don't. And then they post the winners, I don't know, two weeks after the fact, like <laughs> on their website. It drives me fucking crazy. If you if you're like watching their Twitter stream, their Twitter feed, sometimes you catch it. Like the Ennies were going pretty well there, but good lord. So the Ennie Awards, I'll have a link to their website, actually to their Twitter account, because that's where they posted them live. Um, and then they update it when they get home, I guess, or whatever. When they're not doing anything. Um, game of the Year highlights. It's kind of the the Academy Award for Best Motion Picture is Tales from the Loop. Yep, and I, uh, from a podcast land perspective, uh, Spellburn, oh. Judge Jen, yes. Jen Brakeman, friend of ours, friend of the show, um, Silver, any for that. Um, the last... <laughs> that was really cool. And um, our friends Phil, Chris, John Arcadian, um, good grief, Angela. A- Angela, Angela Murray, of course, and uh, good grief, other folks <laughs> that are the gnome, gnomes of Gnome Stew. Um, that was another any award-winning blog, too, so that was really cool. They've got it. Uh, still, you know, Gnome Stew's been going on for a long time, and it's really cool to see that keep its strength. That's really awesome. Yeah, they're a juggernaut in the blogger world. Amen to that. And then the second one is congratulations to Gen Con, which won the Deanna Jones Award. So I say Deanna Jones. I know some people have said Diana, but I don't say in Diana Jones. That's true. Because like, that's the origin of the award is Indiana Jones. All right, you got me there. It's so, like that's like having Italian food, right? There's no such. They don't come from Italy. They come from Italy, so it's Italian right. food. It's not <laughs> Italian. Italian. There you go. Italian. I'm Italian. There so yes, the Deanna Jones Award goes to Gen Con. So that is something headed up by Matt Forbeck and an elite group of individuals that. There's nominations, and then there's a small group that uh, picks one. I would imagine Gen Con, their 50th year this past year, probably didn't hurt matters. Um, And they certainly have done positive. I think it's literally like something that's been done, produced, uh, created to further gaming, right, or to to highlight all the good aspects of gaming. And certainly Gen Con is... Done that. Gaming, it, it has helped make gaming so popular that Gen Con sold out. The 50th sold out. You could not fucking get a pass. They were sold out. That's crazy town talk. I have, you know, Sean and I can't, it's never happened before. I, I've ever, <laughs> a large gaming convention, I mean, there's always badges to be had. Yeah, sure, come on in, come on in. They sold out. That's craziness. That's I thought how, it was 70, I think they capped at 75,000, but I could be wrong. Regardless, I mean, 60, 70, Jesus Christ, it's tens of, literally tens of thousands of gamers descend on that city. It be, it helps, it, it's just awesome. It really is. Now, granted, it, it's big, it's gigantic. I, I happen to enjoy Origins more, but you can't deny the uh, awesome things that uh, Gen Con does for the hobby. It's really cool. That's right. So, Brett. Yeah. What are we talk? What are we talking about next week? Well, I know you've been out. You've been down and out, and I wanted to kind of bring it back where you can smack some players around. So Tony Baker gave yeah. us an idea for hey, the play. Bring my spirits up, Jeff. Uh, exactly. Jeff. I say Jeff. You I did. I, Jeff. I don't know what that's about. I feel. Not feel Jeff. Yeah. Fuck you, Sean. Um, <laughs> Tony Baker 
friend of the show and possibly new co-host, um, <laughs> had an idea for the player series. He said, we're going to talk about games with no classes and asking the right questions. We talked about a couple different, we've been picking on the traditional D&D character types and melding them a little bit here and there, but we want to kind of talk about uh, games without classes and then um, asking the right questions, again, from a player's perspective. So uh, looking forward to chatting with you about that when you're actually with it and not quite so grumpy. I'll just say antibiotics and pain pills. Yeah, I, I can't. I, you know, I give you shit, dude, but I am really, really super freaking pleased that you're alive and uh, that you're here. So this is really cool. Me, me too, man. <laughs> we can share this vision together. We can totally share this vision. <laughs> you something being, we totally agree on. Sean Kelly being alive is something both Brett and Sean like. Yes, it is very, very fortunate. I am here and have my wits about me for sure. Absolutely, could have been much worse. But yes, yeah. So with that, this has been another episode of Gaming and BS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode brought to you with the help from the following patrons: Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's biggest fan, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Knights of the Night Crew, Gladian, Jason Blaylock, Remy Billado, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, Not Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Tim Shorts, Dan Lavalley, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Eli Kurtz. Lost Sailor, Graham Miner, Todd McGowan, Roger Brassett, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Tip, Jim Fitzpatrick, Michael Drescher, With Static, Alexander Auerbach, Rodrigo Beowulf, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Chris Steele, Eric the Hoff Hoffman, Jared Rasher, Stefan Dragonspawn, Soldiers of Misfortune RPG, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Michael Parker, Gordon Cranford, Mark Tasaka, Larry Hout, Evan Harrison Cass, Ray Otis, and Mark CMG Clover. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you could support the show for an entire month. Consider going over to GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks, patrons. Thanks, friends. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.